Hello, you are watching Lay Novell's great video series on the theology of body. In this video, we are going to talk about the eighth audience. We are your hosts. I am Jeremy Hossotter. And I'm Guillermo Moreno. All right, to dive into this. Um, one thing to briefly note is the next three audiences, eight, nine, and 10, cover the experience of original unity. So audience seven ended John Paul II's meditation on original solitude. If we recall, just in general, what JP2 wants us to do is go back to the text of Genesis two and three and look at the experiences in some later audiences, I think it's around 10 or 11, he's going to explain more what he means by experience and why we are going back to them. For now, um, we can recall that he previously mentioned um, the experience of the the experience of the body and that he was going to appeal to these experiences based on the fact of um, the resurrection of the body as being part of the Christian revelation that the redemption of man includes the redemption of the body. And so our experiences have a central role in this and understanding theology. And this is kind of the process that JP2 is taking us through. So in these next three audiences, we're gonna look at what he calls original unity. And then that's followed by the meaning of original nakedness. So we have several fundamental experiences that we are looking at. And that's just something to keep in mind structurally as we go through this. All right, so let's go ahead and dive in. So original unity is this experience original unity belongs to original solitude. Christ cited Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 to appeal to the beginning. And this is the verse mentioning that man and the woman will become one flesh. Man will leave, or the woman will leave her family to be joined with the husband. And this requires of us to dive deeper into understanding what is the meaning of original unity. Now, just to clarify, we're going to talk about bodiliness, okay? So, in Genesis 2, you have the creation of man, the body. The body of man is created first. And then you have the creation of woman following later. And with the creation of woman, you get the distinction between male and female. The distinction between male and female did not appear until the creation of woman. Now, if you recall, just linguistics for a moment, and the account of the first man when he's by himself in the Garden of Eden, the Hebrew word uses Adam. And then once woman is created, the first man is referred to as Ish, meaning male, and the woman's Isha, meaning female. So from this, we can observe that man's bodiliness is not 
quite the same thing as sexuality. And JP2 is going to restrict the term sex to meaning either male or female. So sex refers to masculinity and femininity. It refers to biological sex, period. In our culture today, this is an important point, just in terms of reading theology of the body, because we use sex in a very wide meaning to include all sorts of activities. Whereas JP2 is going to say, no, let's restrict this. He's restricting this term to biological sex, essentially. So that's just something to keep in mind. By biological sex, you mean um, uh, male or female, not exclusively sexual intercourse, correct? Exactly. We're not talking about the conjugal act. Okay. The conjugal act is what JP2 will be using to refer to the thing that a man and a woman do to make babies. So... It's the conjugal that act. kind of thing. The conjugal act, yes. Does, yeah, it's not that thing that JP2 is referring to when he uses the term sex. He is referring to masculinity and femininity. So we've mentioned this a moment ago, but it's worth emphasizing again. The fact that man has a body first and then a sex so man is, has a body first and he's male or female, this indicates a substantial priority of the body of the sex. And we, we want to emphasize a moment on the term substantial, okay? Because it's a metaphysical term. And to understand it, you have to have a brief understanding of how Aristotle uses it. So I cited the definition that uh, Norris Clark gives in his book, The One in the Main Many. A being apt to exist in itself and not in another. So, a substance is a thing that exists in of itself and not in another. And what Aristotle is getting at is, you think about a dog. The dog exists in of itself. It does not depend on something else for its existence. Whereas you think about a color like brown, brown has to adhere in something in order for it to exist so when you you don't see just brown walking down the road you see a brown dog but the brownness requires something that is like a dog in order for it to manifest itself so the dog is something that exists in itself but the brown requires a substance in order for it to exist and these these things are not substances and require something else aristotle calls an accident so there's a little bit of metaphysics in this lesson today um guillermo you're about to say something i was about to say exactly what you said about accidents accidents cannot exist into themselves like sizes colors um things that don't make something essentially what it is so building off of your example a dog okay requires this that which makes up a dog the dog dna the body of a dog and so forth but the color and size those are the accidents the accidental features of what we think of as dogs 
yeah. or what we think of in terms of dogs, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. Now, to circle back to this this substantial priority, JP2 is then going to say that our bodies belong more deeply to our humanity, metaphysically speaking, than being male and female. And I, we see this a little bit with today, just with um, a person can have a deformity in the development. And so the masculinity or the femininity can be um, prohibited from manifesting itself, but the person still has a body. Right? There's still that body expressing the person, even if the masculinity or femininity hasn't fully developed, like some people don't have a developed penis, or some people have a hormone balance. My wife was watching episode House the other day, and the person that's sick was sick because they're pretty much pure estrogen, not generated testosterone, even though it was a dude. So look, the dude looked like a woman because of the estrogen. You know, so you get these, they're when it comes to the biological sex, there's many factors that can inhibit, that might impede the development of that. But so that's just something to also think about. Did you have anything you want to add, Guillermo, before we move on? Just a little more metaphysics. Okay. When it comes to what something is, this definition that you provide, a being apt to exist in itself and not in another, it just differentiates two different things. Even if they're of the same kind of thing, in the end, what makes something something is that it is this thing and not that. And that thing is what it is and not this other thing right here. There's that principle of unity. So, of course, we're all, uh, in terms of living organisms, we're all cells. Uh, and what's uni- it, we're this unity of cells, of course, body and spirit, that makes us uniquely uh this manifestation of this human being and that same principle makes every other kind of human being a manifestation of humanity in that person's being that's all i wanted to share all right no i, I appreciate the further elaboration on that yes it's important just no matter what your philosophical mm-hmm. worldview is, mm-hmm. to understand this basic distinction between substance and accident. Because a lot of Catholic theology, whether it's a saint or defined teaching, a lot of it presupposes that distinction, such as the Eucharist and transubstantiation. Mm. All right. Now, if you are interested in learning more about metaphysics, this book, The One and the Many, you see the cover here, 
I recommend to our listeners because it is a introduction to metaphysics. In fact, this is the book Guillermo and I used together in our introduction to metaphysics class. So let me, is, hmm? I just, uh, if I may share a bit of my testimony for a moment, see that semester, uh, I read this book and Brand Petrie's Jesus and the Last Supper at the same time, that, that same semester. And of course, I'd been going to church for many years at that point, and I was considering myself strong in the faith then. And at that period of my life, you know, just when I, I couldn't quite imagine my faith getting stronger, these two books, I read them and my faith skyrocketed. Uh, it's incredible. I just wanted to share that. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I will say for myself, when I first read it, it was a very eye-opening read. And I th I don't think that, I think everyone should read this. There's a reason it's one of the most used textbooks for introduction to metaphysics if you have a Catholic professor. It's a standard go-to book. It's very accessible, but it's very thorough. All right. Let's see what's next. Hmm, Genesis 2. Just something to kind of help connect the dots from earlier. In Audience 3, JP2 gave a ginormous um, footnote on myth, and we cited the words of Marseille Eliade and Paul Ricoeur. And I just thought, just to help kind of show the continuity how jp2 defines myth here quote the term myth does not refer to fictitious fabulous content but simply to an archaic way of expressing a deeper content end quote so myth is using archaic language to express objective reality in a in a way that i guess just makes it easier for us to meditate upon there's something about the archaic language of Genesis as mythic poetic that just demands contemplation. And then there's this interesting point, right? Our, our objective in this audience is the meaning of original unity. And to begin diving into that, because ultimately, this unity is realized with the male and the female. We have this kind of realization that there's a sort of dialogue going on between God and man in Genesis 2. So, and this dialogue takes place in a correlation of um, as God creates, man kind of follows through with his consciousness. So like, God says it's not good for man to be alone. And then man is having his first test, naming the animals, discovering he is not like them. And through this discovery, he has his consciousness. So as the consciousness of man progresses, you have this synchronization with God's creative act. And there appears to be kind of an element of sadness with man's discovery. He's like, because he goes through all the animals, he names them all, 
but he does not find a helper fit for him. He's alone metaphysically in the Garden of Eden. Did you have something you want to add, Guillermo? No, I don't. Okay, I wasn't sure. I thought I heard something over there. Okay. And I guess to just continue with this theme, right, of this dialogue, once God creates a helper fit, then man, when he wakes up, has the consciousness and the discovery of that objective reality. So you have this synchronization throughout the entirety of Genesis 2 between of this dialogue between God's creative act and man's conscious realization and self-knowledge. All right, so we want to focus a moment now just citing the words of Genesis 2, verses 21, 22. Uh, let's see here. Quote, so the Lord God caused Topor to fall upon man who fell asleep. Then he took one of his ribs and closed flesh again in his place. With the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he formed a woman. End quote. So we want to focus now on this term topor. Okay. So topor, you can see the Hebrew here, tardema. It is a sleep without dreams. It's a heavy, deep sleep. And this sleep prefigures that a special divine creative act is about to occur. And we see this torpor also happen in Genesis 15 with Abraham. And in both cases, you have the man enter torpor. And when he wakes up, you have a special divine action and a covenant. And in this case, between Adam and God, you have the covenant and the beginning of the human race, the beginning of salvation history with the creation of woman. Man awakens from his sleep, and this, this topor, you think of as almost a returning to non-being from which God calls man back into existence as male and female. So, Man emerges from Torpor as Ish and Isha. And original, we can say then that the original solitude that man experienced is now broken when he awakes because now man is Ish and you have woman, Isha. All right. Uh, you still there, Guillermo? Yes, I am. And no, I. Um, yeah, I'll be sure to chime in. All right. All right. Now, I guess one interesting thing is um, here we have a first mention of Sigmund Freud and Topor. Um, Sigmund Freud, famous psycho, psychoanalyst, famous psychologist, um, had a very interesting view about humanity and sexuality 
And JP2 wants to distinguish Topor from Freud's psychoanalysis. So for Freud, dreams are expressions of repressed psychic content in man's unconsciousness. So you have an unconsciousness and you have content in that unconsciousness that are repressed. And when you dream, that repressed content expresses itself. And its content is always sexual. So in this, in this kind of Freudian sense, then the emergence of man as Ish and Isha, the emergence of male and female would appear then as kind of this, as a, either a cooperation of man with God, with man's consciousness, or if you want to take the atheist route, kind of man's, I guess this man's need for sex, projecting it. So if you really want to take a sour look on sexuality, it would, I guess the woman is created for man's sexual needs. And JP2 wants to emphasize that this topor emphasizes that it's God's exclusive creative action because man's unconscious. He's in a state that's almost that's analogous to non-being. He's not conscious at all. And so he has no role in this creation of woman. Yeah, let's see here. So we just need to keep in mind that um while some modern philosophy is used in the text and is useful for interpreting scripture, you can also go too far. And Freud will be an intellectual interlocutor with JP2, meaning that Freud is going to be someone that JP2 is going to argue against based off scripture, because Freud's views reality is just a very depressing view of humanity and sexuality in general and jp2 wants to present us with something that is meaningful and true something that shows the humanity the personhood and transcendence of male and female and that's also ultimately what our goal is that's why we want to take a moment and talk about Freud. Anything you want to mention about Freud, Guillermo? Just, um, I think how influential he was or must have been to the sexual revolution. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's a different topic, but. No, there, yeah, there no, is a there is a lot that can be tied into there, Freud and a few others. Right. So now we want to focus on the rib, right? So a couple slides ago, we read man fell into torpor, and then God took the rib. And with the rib, God formed woman. So 
Let's see. So being made with the rib of man signifies two things. One, that woman has the same body, the same somatic constitution or same, same somatic structure as man. And this is something that's evident to the first man. Right, he sees a woman and he expresses joy. The body revealed another being like himself. It revealed a helper fit for him. And so this woman has the same humanity. She is the same species as man. Right, for call audience five, man through the first test naming the animals discovered he's a rational animal. And so she, the woman, is also the same thing. She's also a rational animal. And to wrap up our presentation here, I do want to note, uh, make a note of footnote 15, where we have some interesting comments about some of the language here. So in Sumerian cuneiform, the term rib means life. So with that in mind, the taking of the rib from the first man, in a sense, taking the life out of him to form the woman. And we're, we're speaking a little bit metaphorically because right, God doesn't kill the first man to make the woman. He's still alive, but in a sense, the life is being taken out of him. And this also just reemphasizes this idea of the man in torpor being in this analogous state of non-being, right? And then we also want to note that the term for bones in Hebrew is a, I'm probably going to butcher saying this, synecdoche. I don't know. How, how do you say that word, Guillermo? That's how I would say it. All right. Just don't ask me to say it five times fast. It's a synecdoche for a human being. And in case you did not take AP English, or if you forgot, I certainly forgot. Synecdoche is a figure of speech in which a part is made to represent the whole or vice versa. Thank you, Oxford Dictionary. So the bone is a figure of speech that represents the whole human being, right? So in a sense, when God takes the rib, he's taking the whole person, right? And then forming the woman. And that's also kind of this meaning with the Sumerian word for life. Rib meaning life. And so we get this kind of relational meaning. Uh, go back and think about bone from, of my bones, flesh of my flesh. It's the same life, the same um, being, the same being that's being taken out of man to form the woman. And so this bone from my bone, I mean like being from my being. It, what I would like to incorporate is that it's also saying this is the same kind of substance as I am. So the woman is not the man. Yeah, she has her own body. And they are of the same, you know, in scientific terminology, we would say species. And 
not that that contradicts reality, but uh, the language that we do, um, well, say, see, JP2 does not, of course, he uses some scientific language at times, other times he does not. Essentially, man isn't quite alone anymore. Not exactly. Something that I wanted that that I had thought of previously was elaborating on the fact that original unity demonstrates that man and woman are in solitude together. There's no other species, there, there's no other being like them in all of creation. Yeah. Yeah, JB2 is gonna talk about that a little bit when he meant he he used to turn double solitude Ooh. i think it's about audience 10 or 11 all right yeah yeah and i guess to pick up from where you left off um since we do have this same kind of the same kind of eye as you're mentioning right same kind of person right this flesh yep. of flesh yes means the same personhood right one of the most foundational insights the first man had about himself is the fact that he is a person that is why he's different from the animals that's why he is alone as a as a member of his whole creation because he is the only person in creation and now because you have this woman being formed from his life, being formed from his being, she too is a person, right? So, to before we end this, this we come to this idea then that woman, in being defined as a help, signifies complementarity. There, there's not like a man ruling over woman or woman ruling over man, but a complementarity between them because they are of the same life and the same flesh, the same bones. And the same author. Same author. Yes. And just as the woman is a help for man, the man is a help for the woman. So it, it goes okay. both ways. Yeah, yeah it does. Yeah. All right. All right. Thank you for watching our video. If you have been enjoying our content, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please give us money by subscribing to Patreon. Please check out our podcast, our website, all of our social media. We have lots of that. What else do we have, Guillermo? We have sorry about that uh, where could someone find our podcast Guillermo I forget our podcast it is at the link is at the Lenoville Esprit website it will lead you to the Buzzsprout website that will include all of the platforms where you can find our podcast episodes yeah just where are our podcast episodes besides Buzzsprout. Let's see. I think we're uh, are we on Google Podcasts? 
We are on Google Podcasts. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are um, uh, several for a moment. Several dozens that um, okay, it's my first time hearing about them. Yeah, let's see here. Like Podchaser. Uh, okay, Spotify. Yeah, that's the okay, one. Okay, yeah, that's a good one. Yep. It's also on Chromebook, too. I don't know how many prices. And Amazon Music. Oh, interesting. We're on Amazon Music. Yep. I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. All right. We are everywhere. Find us, support us, share our content. And pray for us. All right. Yes. Most importantly, pray for us. Thank you for watching this video. See y'all later. Bye, everyone. God bless.